Vigor, Steve here. So a lot of you guys have been asking me about this new follistatin gene therapy that seems to be getting some popularity as of recent. Mr. Blueprint himself, Brian Johnson, talked about it in several reels or shorts on YouTube or Instagram, and I believe that he's currently undergoing follistatin gene therapy himself. And Dr. Adil Khan has been talking about follistatin gene therapy on the various podcasts that he's been going on. He's a huge advocate for this kind of treatment. Hopefully we can discuss this on a podcast collaboration reasonably soon. And it seems that follistatin gene therapy is always on the forefront of the latest development in the medical community regarding potential clinical applications. People have been asking me so much that I decided to review all of the scientific literature on these two newly available myostatin inhibitors so you don't have to. People want to know how it works and if it even works. People want to know about the dosages and if they can actually gain a boatload of muscle tissue without even working out or going to the gym. And the scientific evidence is quite compelling. Uh, some of the literature uh, insinuates that you can gain 10%, 15%, up to 20% muscle volume after a single treatment of these myostatin inhibitors. Now, hold your horses, don't get too excited, because I think that everybody in the bodybuilding community can agree that folistatin, regardless of its variant or formulation, doesn't really work. Folistatin formulations have been around for ages now. It's basically the OG myostatin inhibitor. Folistatin is started to inhibit the anti-prolific effects of myostatin, which would otherwise go up as you gain more muscle tissue. So folistatin would thus give you unlimited gains, right? Gains far beyond what is possible from the cookie cutter anabolic androgenic steroids and growth hormone and insulin, perhaps IGF-1 and whatever else bodybuilders take as part of their performance enhancing drug stack, right? You reach some sort of ceiling, some sort of plateau, and folistatin should be able to bring it to the next level by inhibiting the negative effects on further muscle growth of myostatin. And even though the scientific literature is also quite compelling, hasn't happened yet. Otherwise, everybody in the bodybuilding community would use copious amounts of folistatin to end up at 400 pounds on stage while simultaneously pulling deep, 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 deep vacuums. Haven't seen it yet. But there are now two new modified myostatin inhibitors out there, which if you start comparing the scientific literature, these two new peptides far outperform compared to a folistatin variants regarding the accrual of new muscle tissue, the increase in overall muscle volume and strength to a certain extent. And one of them might actually be tissue selective because it gets rapidly inactivated in the bloodstream. The peptides in question are currently under development by Axelron Pharma, which is an American company based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Acceleron currently has four medications undergoing clinical trials, but the ones that we're mostly interested in are ACE-083, currently undergoing clinical trials for muscular disorders, and ACE-031, which was investigated for muscle-wasting conditions, but I believe that all of the clinical trials have already been concluded, closed, and I'm unsure if ACE-031 is currently undergoing a preclinical development or that the uh, investigation has been completely abandoned. A large majority of the scientific evidence will come from ACE-031, not so much scientific evidence on ACE-083, but we're going to discuss both at length in this video, because both of those are the most promising myostatin inhibitors which are currently available, albeit at a cost. So does that mean I no longer need to work out? Ever? Can I just inject some peptides deep into the muscle belly or maybe even subcutaneously for the sake of convenience and just grow, 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 grow without ever stepping foot in the gym ever again or even do cardio without any deleterious effects to my health? Hold on, Mr. Muscles. Not so fast. Basically, ACE031 is a modified version of human activin receptor type 2B linked 
to the FC region of human immunoglobulin, IgG1. This is basically a decoy receptor for myostatin. So instead of myostatin potentiating its effects, inhibiting further muscle growth, it binds to ACE031, rendering it inactive. ACE031 is also known as active in receptor type 2B fusion protein, abbreviated to ACVR2B slash FC. In case you want to do additional research, but lucky you, all of the citations, all of them, are already down below in the YouTube description section and in the comment section as well for easy access. Now, because uh, this protein binds myostatin, you get less myostatin activation through the activin receptor type 2B on the skeletal muscle membrane. So that means uh, less active myostatin and thus less of an inhibitory effect on further muscle growth. As of now, three human clinical trials have been performed on ACE031, two of which have been performed on healthy postmenopausal women, and the last one has been performed on ambulatory boys with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. But this last clinical trial was discontinued because the subjects experienced increased instances of nosebleeds, spider veins, and uh, issues at the injection site. So still a, a good amount of uh, evidence came from this last clinical trial because the large majority of the clinical trial was completed. And all of these clinical trials, ACE031 was administered subcutaneously, ranging between 0.02 milligrams up to three milligrams per one kilogram of body weight, either in a single administration at the start of the study or two milligrams per kilogram of body weight every two weeks for up to three months, or 0.5 milligrams per kilogram of body weight every four weeks for a total of four doses over a 12-week period, or one milligram per kilogram of body weight, H031, subcutaneously every two weeks for a total of seven doses over 12 weeks. So it's a little bit all over the place, but the general consensus is, is that subcutaneous ACE031 administrations increased lean body mass between 3.3 to 4.1%, determined with DEXA scans, as well as an increase in overall muscle volume, decreased fat mass, and bone mineral density increased between 1.6 to 4.4%. So that looks pretty promising for an occasional subcutaneous administration up to three milligrams per kilogram of body weight. Now, if you have to extrapolate that, uh, not for postmenopausal women or uh, young boys suffering from muscular dystrophy, uh, if you're 100 kilos, that means up to 300 milligrams every two weeks, right? Stay tuned, there's more. Now, it's very important to note that of the healthy postmenopausal women who have somewhat of an impaired hypodermic pituitary ovarian axis, I mean, they're postmenopausal after all, that within 15 days of the study, their follicle-stimulating hormone levels declined significantly by 42.6%, and did not return to baseline by the end of the study at day 57. Now, this was observed in the one milligram per kilogram of body weight group and the three milligram per kilogram of body weight group, but these are also the groups that showed the most amount of uh, accrual of muscle tissue and increase in muscle volume. So muscle volume goes up, but FSH levels come down. Sounds familiar? Kind of like steroids, right? Steroid-like gains. In all these clinical trials, the commonly reported side effects were swelling and redness at the injection site, post-injection pain, spider veins, nosebleeds, one of the reasons why one of the clinical trials was actually discontinued, and headache. But none of these clinical trials actually measured changes in blood pressure. I mean, some of these side effects are related to blood pressure, right? Or a strong correlation between blood pressure and these side effects. 
and uh, neither did they track inflammatory markers to see the severity of the post-injection pain or the other inflammatory conditions. So um, that is very unfortunate. I would say that if you decided to go with ACE031, some of these side effects are meant to be expected. Again, all of these clinical trials have been performed with subcutaneous administrations, not intramuscular administrations. And on the subject of that, why didn't these clinical trials investigate changes in organ weight or organ size? Of course, you can't biopsy the organs from humans. It's usually done in animal models, but at least do a full body MRI, bro. I mean, the full body MRI was available because many of the baseline readings and comparative readings of the muscles that were investigated have been performed by MRI. Uh, so that's a little bit disappointing. I mean, if they're going to administer ACE031 subcutaneously and it has a systematic effect, right? Increasing muscle volume size up to 4.4%. Uh, does that happen on the organs of the body as well? So I would say that there's a bit of room for improvement there. Now, when we look at the animal models after ACE031 treatments, body weight increased uh, approximately 16% from baseline. That's a bit of an increase. And there's an average increase of 37% of the muscles measured. So that's significantly more compared to the human clinical trials, but that was also accomplished with subcutaneous administrations. And other animal studies show that ACE031 inhibits muscle-based conditions in certain cancers without affecting further tumor growth or progression. And this prevention of muscular atrophy is duplicated in various animal models revolving around muscle-wasting conditions or diseases, basically, Cachexia. Now, again, of all of these studies performed, whether those are the human clinical trials or the various animal models, every time ACE031 was administered, it went through subcutaneous injections for an overall systemic effect. Besides a single animal study where they directly injected ACE031 intramuscularly in the back of the skull and in the back of the right calf to compare size differences between the left calf and the right calf. And the results are actually quite astounding. The locally injected muscles increased in muscle mass and the right calf muscle became 20% heavier compared to the left calf muscle. That's a big jump. They also did some contraction tests and it showed that the right calf muscle of these treated rats became 25% stronger compared to the control group. And you see that some of these results are duplicated in the ACE083 studies, which we're going to discuss shortly. Now, as I'm going through these animal studies, I'm starting to realize that most of these animal models are eerily similar to the SAR models in investigation for particular treatments revolving around muscle wasting conditions. But unfortunately, most of the studies performed on ACE031 don't really track changes in blood work parameters or uh, changes in organ weight and overall composition, right? Which is something that I would be personally very, very, very interested in. Um, of the human clinical trials, I did notice that pancreatic lipase and total cholesterol levels went up in the human subjects, but that's about it. So uh, scientific evidence aside, let's say we would be interested in running a cycle of ACE031. I would go with two milligram per kilogram of body weight injected every two weeks, which is uh, where most of the human clinical trials saw the best results. And then maybe combine that with 30 milligrams YK11, which is also said to be somewhat of a myostatin inhibitor by increasing folistatin levels. So now you have the uh, folistatin-like effect of ACE031 and a potentially increased folistatin levels from the YK11. I mean, if we're going to go with experimental compounds, why not put it together with the testosterone base, obviously, because YK11 is a steroidal SARM and will surely downregulate 
the high HPTA and thus serum testosterone levels, estrogen levels would otherwise be bottomed out the longer you take them. Now, if you start doing some market research, you realize that ACE031 at, uh, I'm a comfortable, uh, let's say 100 kilos by then, uh, you would need to inject 200 milligrams every two weeks, right? But one milligram of ACE031 after doing a quick market analysis is anywhere between $36 to $165 per one milligram. So let's say you go with the highest dose, the dose that showed the most results, three milligrams per kilogram of body weight. If you're 100 kilos, that would be 300 milligrams every two weeks. And if you do the calculations, that would cost you at least $5,400 per week or a little bit over $20,000 per month. And even if you stick with the lowest effective dose based on the clinical trials, let's say one milligram per kilogram of body weight every two weeks, that would still run you $1,800 per week if you go with the cheapest ACE031 that's available on the gray area peptide websites, which God knows what the purity and the potency and the bioavailability actually is. Let's move over to ACE083, which looks a lot more promising. It potentiates localized effects, but the difference between ACE031 compared to ACE083 is that all of the studies performed on ACE031 have been done subcutaneously besides that single animal study. And all of the studies performed on ACE083 have been done through intramuscular administrations, which seems to be the most favorable route to go uh, if you want to use these kinds of peptides for side enhancement purposes. ACE083 is a modified version of the 288 isoform of folistatin linked to the FC region of human immunoglobulin IgG2. ACE083 is also a decoy receptor that binds myostatin, GDF8, but unlike ACE031, which only binds myostatin, ACE083 also binds GDF11 and activants A and B, which would otherwise inhibit further muscle growth and differentiation. ACE083 is also known as folistatin-288 fusion protein, abbreviated to FST-288-FC. ACE083 was designed to act locally within the muscle that it's administered into through intramuscular administrations, duh. And once ACE083 enters systemic circulation into the bloodstream, it's actually rapidly metabolized and thus minimizing systemic effects which is very similar to how um, intramuscular administrations of IGF-1 LR3, IGF-1 DES or Incrolex work, right? You inject it locally into the muscle that you want to improve in muscularity, overall volume, size, and strength. And then once a little bit goes systemic, it's rapidly metabolized in the bloodstream, maybe potentiates a little bit of systemic effects, but you can only detect elevated IGF-1 levels for one to two days, right? With intramuscular administrations. And the scientific evidence from the human clinical trial shows exactly the same thing. ACE083 levels were only detectable in serum following one to two days post intramuscular administration. So let's start diving into the human clinical trials, which have been performed on healthy postmenopausal women, patients with charcot Mary tooth disease, and patients with fasciocapula humeral muscular dystrophy. Another mouthful. All of these studies performed intramuscular administrations of ACE083. A dosages range between 50 milligrams upwards to 240 milligrams, either unilaterally or bilaterally to observe the changes from baseline. And this was either done once or twice or every three weeks. 
uh, for a maximum treatment duration of up to three months, right? We're pulling all of the scientific literature together. And again, ASOA3 was only detectable within the first day following administration, so that would indicate minimal systemic effect, but none of these human clinical trials actually uh, took the time and efforts to observe changes in organ weight or overall organ structure, which you can determine with an MRI, which they also had available in these clinical trials. And the general consensus of these human clinical trials is that intramuscular ACE083 administrations increase the volume of the examined muscle between 10 to 15%. And some of the muscles actually increased by 19.1%. So it's very similar to the intramuscular administration of ACE031, right? Into the right calf compared to the left calf. An increase of, let's say, 10 to 20% if you inject these peptides locally with intramuscular injections. Now, here's where it, where it gets interesting. In the ACE031 studies, there were no real follow-ups. But in the ACE083 study, uh, in the human clinical trials, it seems that within eight weeks, uh, muscle volume returns, let's say, to 4% increase to 5.5% increase from baseline. So after you discontinue ACE083 injections, within eight weeks, you can expect a reduction or a significant reduction, which is still higher than baseline, which would indicate true muscle gain, right? The inflammation is gone, the nitrogen retention, the water retention, the electrolyte retention, the potential glycogen retention, which were all not measured. I'm just speculating here, right? All of the retentive effects, which you would expect from myostatin inhibition are now long gone, because I don't think that ACE031 or ACE083, for that matter, have such a long half-life or active life, right? So it's it's probably uh, most likely completely metabolized by week eight. Malostatin is starting to work normally again, just like GDF11 and active in A and B, uh, inhibiting further uh, muscle mass accrual and cell proliferation. So you're left with a net muscle gain of four to five and a half percent. I think that's a win. I think that's a huge Win, right? The initial swell is gone. Muscle return um, to their normal size, which are now a four to five and a half percent larger compared to baseline. Is it worth the price though? I'm not entirely sure. And the commonly occurring side effects in all of these human clinical trials include post-injection pain, muscle inflammation, or overall muscle pain of the muscle that was administered with ACE083. So that's very similar to the commonly occurring side effects of ACE031. Uh, most of these side effects seem to dissipate within a couple days. Uh, the side effects of ACE083 dissipate within a couple days following the administration. So if you get administered, let's say, 240 milligrams bilaterally, so left and right, 400, 480 milligrams ACE083 every two weeks, every three weeks, the post-injection pain and the overall muscle inflammation is only there for a couple days follow the, following the injection. That's probably also worth it considering uh, the insane amount of gains that you could be potentially making. And of the limited animal models that are now available of ACE083, they show a similar findings. There's a dose-dependent increase in muscle volume of the muscle that's administered with ACE083. Very, very promising, I would say, albeit that the results from the human clinical trials are a little bit different compared to the animal models. The animal models show that there's an increase in strength, but in the human clinical trials, there was no increase in strength, even though they tried to measure that. So uh, are your muscles bigger due to the inflammation or do they actually accrue uh, real functional muscle tissue also making you stronger at the same time? But I mean, let's be fair. We're trying to, um, you know, forego the gym in this context, right? We're trying to inject, get bigger and not worry about strength gains because uh, we don't want to go to the gym. We just want to pin 
win and gain muscle. Now, after doing all of this research, you don't have to. Personally, I would say that I'm more interested in ACE083 compared to ACE031, even though it does have more scientific literature that you can dive into. Again, all of the citations are down below. You don't even need to go to PubMed. All you need to do is click the links and start reading. I would go with the maximum effective dose as based on the human clinical trials, right? The dose that has been investigated. Uh, maybe a big bodybuilder actually needs more than 240 milligrams intramuscularly bilaterally, a total of 480 milligrams ACE083 to elicit an anabolic response beyond the anabolic androgenic steroids and the growth hormone and the insulin and the incrolex and whatever else that we're taking, right? We're trying to take us to the next level um, and, and whatever dosing protocol goes alongside of that, we don't really know because I don't think that anybody has ever attempted such a high dose of ACE083 or at least not to my awareness. And maybe add in 30 milligrams YK11 every single day. Why the hell not? Let's go for the utmost synergy, testosterone base, growth hormone, insulin, Incrolex or IGF-1 LR3 if you can source that a little bit better. ACE083 and YK11. I mean, that stack should surely push you over the edge. You're plateauing and you will gain 10, 15, maybe even 20% new muscle volume. And after all of the swell and the bloat and the inflammation has dissipated, you should be left with 4% to 5% gains. Looks very promising, but after doing the market research, looking at all the prices, uh, it seems that uh, based on limited uh, gray area peptide websites that actually sell ACE-083, most of them sell ACE-031, uh, could be anywhere between $15 to $125 per one single milligram. So if you go with the, uh, the highest dose of the investigated uh, protocol in the clinical trials, 240 milligrams intramuscularly bilaterally every three weeks, for a total of 480 milligrams, that will cost you at least $2,400 per week or a little bit over $10,000 per month. So I would say that's another win, another um, a point for ACE083 because it's half the price and it acts locally through intramuscular administrations. Now, before you start double mortgaging your house, keep in mind that all of the human clinical trials and most of the animal models have all been funded by Acceleron Pharma, right? Similarly to how all of the SARMS animal models and some of the clinical trials are funded by the developing uh, company that is behind uh, SARM XYZ, right? They want to bring it into clinical trials so they can use it as a medication at a later point in time, right? Return of investment. So take it all with a grain of salt. Um, I'm still waiting for anecdotal experience of ACE031 or ACE083, I know one, one individual, and I'm not sure which treatment he got. He's under the supervision of Dr. Adil Khan. He told me in person that he underwent folostatin gene therapy, one single treatment, and he felt he got uh, little results. Now, again, uh, this is a very well-known and very well-muscled uh, bodybuilder on YouTube. And, um, you know, based on that report, I would say that it uh, might not be worth it yet. And if you go with all of the anecdotal reports that you can read on, uh, you know, the bodybuilding forums or on Reddit or some of the other forums where performance enhancing drugs are discussed, it seems that everybody is really underdoing their dosages, maybe uh, 300 micrograms or one milligram, at most two milligrams uh, every single day or per administration, then they take some time off because the post-injection pain um, can be quite severe, apparently, based on the, you know, the reports that people post 
on these forums. Most of these people, actually all of them report lackluster results, very likely because the dose is so low or not anywhere close to the investigated dosages. Uh, when I look at this well-known YouTuber uh, not getting any results, I'm already getting a little bit skeptical. And again, uh, the final nail in the coffin is probably uh, Brian Johnson, who has undergone folostatin gene therapy. Doesn't look like he made phenomenal gains. So uh, I would wait. I would wait to purchase a boatload of ACE031 or ACE083, which would be uh, my uh, personal choice, even though the scientific literature is quite compelling, I would say. Uh, the costs don't really warrant such an experiment, in my personal opinion. Doesn't mean I don't want to try it, though. <laughs> Honestly, doesn't mean I don't want to try it, though. But I've done some calculations, right? If we want to do this right, if I want to run an experiment with ACE083, I'd have to go with a more reputable gray area peptide website or source that somewhere else where I feel comfortable running that many milligrams. Then do the before and after organ imaging with a full body MRI, right? So we can see if there's a localized effect of ACE083. I did some quick calculations. It's going to cost approximately $100,000. So if you want to see that experiment, the GoFundMe link is down below. Or is it? So long story short, if you have some disposable income, I think you can spend it a lot, a lot, a lot better. Most of us are not anywhere close to our uh, absolute peak uh, using anabolic androgenic steroids and other uh, growth-promoting peptides um, to the point we actually need ACE083, right? If you have a certain medical condition, these uh, compounds might be highly promising. I mean, come on, just because you feel small doesn't mean you suffer from a muscle-wasting condition, right? If you want to spend some money, do it on your health. Do your blood work over at Merrick Health if you live in the United States. They have excellent healthcare providers to help you interpret your blood work results. So if you feel stuck making gains and you're already on, uh, you know, compound XYZ or hormone replacement therapy, patient care coordinators, the healthcare providers at Merrick Health can keep you healthy, allowing you to make continuous progress, right? You don't need to look into ACE083. Get healthy first. That's probably the best money you're going to spend. Thank you guys so much for watching. You can find everything that I'm associated with down below in the YouTube description section. All of the citations are there, evidence-based with citations. Yes, please. Vigorous crew, you guys know what to do. A frontable bicep for you guys. Imagine how this would look with a couple hundred milligrams of ACE083. Unfortunately, it's well beyond my budget for performance-enhancing drugs, but a man can dream, can't he? Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next video.